Both, you'll recall, two weeks ago, my homily was based on, not the gospel, but the second reading from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And I spoke then about a very, very sensitive topic, the human body and chastity. Today I'd like to continue drawing from Paul's letter to the Corinthians and address another sensitive topic. I'd like to speak about celibacy and marriage. St. Paul says, An unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But a married man is anxious about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And he is divided. Following St. Paul, the Church has always taught that celibacy is to be preferred to marriage, that celibacy is, in some sense, better than marriage. But this sounds kind of offensive, doesn't it? Why would one be better than the other? So this is our basic problem. How can we understand this teaching? First of all, we have to remember what our purpose on this earth is. Our main goal in life is loving God as much as we possibly can. But while we know this in theory, we find it hard to do in practice. What we find is that we often let the good things of this earth distract us from loving God. Now, of course, there is nothing wrong with loving created things, but we can't love them too much. We can't love them to the extent that our love for God is lessened. We all know from experience, though, that this is often what happens. We find then a sort of conflict within ourselves. With our minds, we know what we should do. But we find our passions getting the best of us. And we end up clinging to creative things and loving them too much. Now why is that? Well, this unhealthy tendency to love created goods too much is a result of original sin. You see, before original sin, the first humans would have loved God with all their hearts. And their love for created goods would never have lessened their love for God. This would have been true also for the created goods of romance and marriage and the pleasures of physical intimacy in marriage. The first human beings would have been able to enjoy the good things associated with marriage in just the manner and to just the extent that was right and proper and no more. After original sin, though, even for those who are baptized Christians, the created goods associated with marriage are frequently clung to in an unhealthy and imbalanced manner. This is what St. Paul is talking about when he says the married man is anxious about the things of the world and he is divided. Because of original sin, the married man's heart is often too attached to his marriage. This attachment causes his heart to be divided and his love for God to be weakened. 
All Christians, whether they are celibate or married, need to recover within themselves that inner harmony that the first human beings had before sin. This is especially true when it comes to marriage and the pleasures associated with marriage. This is what St. Paul meant earlier on in our chapter here when, as we heard last week, he said, From now on, let those having wives act as not having them. In our fallen world, men often have a tendency to relate to the challenges and the pleasures of marriage in an unhealthy manner. They are attached to them in such a way that their internal energy and love get diverted away from God. So Paul here is not belittling marriage. He is simply saying that married men in relation to their marriages need to cultivate in their hearts a healthy detachment. Here is an analogy. Bill and Chris. Two good Christians walk into a restaurant together and order the exact same dish. They eat their meals at the exact same pace and finish at the exact same time. Their external acts were identical, but what went on in their hearts was different. Bill, on the one hand, ate with great attachment, while Chris did not. Bill's love for God was hindered from growing, while Chris's was not. Both experienced pleasure in eating, but the pleasure caused Bill to divert his love away from God, while for Chris it was an opportunity to get closer to God. So we see that the problem is not pleasure, and it's not the external activity, it's the internal spirit that matters. Now what holds true for food holds true also for the pleasures associated with marriage. We need to love these pleasures in just the right way, such that our love for God is not decreased, but rather increased. But this is the crux of the matter. In our fallen world, this inner harmony and balance in relation to created goods is really hard to develop apart from actually letting go of them. We need to know what it is to renounce the actual use of created goods. And unless we can do this, we will not cultivate in ourselves a true inner detachment from them. This holds true above all when it comes to the use of marriage. This is why St. Paul, earlier in this chapter, speaks about spouses agreeing for a time to give up conjugal relations for the sake of prayer. Giving up relations for a time by mutual consent creates a certain kind of emptiness in the soul. But when this is done for the right motives, this emptiness becomes a space where the presence of God can be active, a place of communion with God, where the spirit of prayer can flourish. And so now we can understand why St. Paul is teaching us that celibacy is to be preferred to marriage. If there were no original sin, celibacy would not be any more helpful than marriage in developing the virtue of detachment. But we live in a fallen world in which we need to work hard to develop the spirit of detachment. 
And this requires us to know what it is to renounce the actual use of created goods. Celibacy embraced for the sake of the kingdom of heaven is thus a radical renunciation of a very important created good. And it is therefore especially effective in helping us grow in the love of God. So it's not that marriage is bad and celibacy is good, but rather that marriage is very good. But given our fallen human natures, celibacy is a better help towards growing in the love of God. Celibacy creates in the heart a unique void that, if embraced freely and with faith, becomes a place of supernatural life, a place where the healing of the wounds of original sin can happen in a special way, a place where the human person can become whole and healthy. Celibacy creates a special freedom of the heart, a freedom to love God without reservations. And so celibacy is really all about the love of God. Whether we are single or married or have chosen a life of celibacy, it is important for all of us to understand and appreciate the church's teaching on celibacy. We will thus be able to foster in the younger generations a vocation that is a special means of bringing into the world more of God's love. Let me also add that I will be posting an extended version of this homily on my website, a version that will use more technical language but will address other important issues such as whether celibacy impedes the full development of the human person, its rationale in connection to the Catholic priesthood, its significance in connection to widows and widowers and others who have to go without the use of marriage, and other questions. For my website's address, please see our bulletin. It is listed under the advertisement for my Wednesday night Bible studies.